Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Amen. Amen. All right, church, can we just together give God some praise right now? Let's just lift Him up together. Give Him a big shout. Give Him a clap. Come on, He's worthy of it. Amen. Amen. So good. So good. Everyone, you can take your seats as you do. Just high five 17 people and then get comfy. So good. And church, can we actually just thank the team, the worship team this evening for leading us? Thank you, guys. Hey, so good to be preaching tonight. And I just know, I believe that whenever you come to church, God can speak to you. Whenever you sit in God's house, God can supernaturally speak to your heart and speak to your mind. And I also believe every time we open the Word of God, God by His Spirit and His love and His grace can speak to us from it. And I'm really praying and believing for that tonight because if He doesn't, it's just me waffling on for 20 minutes. And we want God to speak. We need God's wisdom. We need God's direction. And so we're gonna open the Word tonight and be encouraged, uh, which would be really good. I'm always surprised... um, when I preach at the different feedback I get after I speak, um, what things people liked, what things people didn't like, what observations they made. And um, last time I spoke, I used a kid's book at the end and someone said to me, they're like, Pastor Jordan, the best part of that message tonight was when you read that kid's book. And I was like, so what you're saying is the best part of my message was when I read someone else's book. They were like, yeah. I was like, thank you. Someone the other day said, you know what the best part of that message you did a while back was, was when you gave three observations at the start of your message. And I was like, so the best part of the message was the icebreaker at the start, which had nothing to do with the message. They're like, yeah. I was like, thank you. So um, tonight, if you do have feedback for me, um, go for it because it's good for me. But I do have three observations tonight. Observation number one is this. It is the first time that we have baby Lathy seat in the house. She's up the back, four weeks old somewhere. Great to have you guys in church. And uh, that's very exciting. Also, uh, second observation is we have a great young guy from our church in Global Heart Lasaka here. Kung was over there somewhere. Pastor Liam gave me a call. Is Kung with there? Give us a wave, Kunga. Great to have you here, bro. Great to have you here. He's visiting Perth at the moment and he's a part of our church back in Lusaka. So awesome to have you here. And my third observation, the last one, is that this is the first time in about six months Pastor Luke has shared the offering and not used a verse from the book of Luke. So well done, Pastor Luke. Give him a clap, everybody. (laughs) So good. Hey, I want to preach tonight on the joy of salvation. The joy of salvation. I was reading a psalm this week when I was spending time with God and it just absolutely blessed me, ministered to me. And I thought, man, I want to speak on that psalm and just unpack that a little bit because it really encouraged me, left me stirred and I hope it does the same for you. So let me just pray as we get ready to read some Scripture together. So Father, we thank You so much for Your goodness, for Your grace and Lord, for Your power. We thank You that You're a good God, You're a powerful God and You're a personal God. Lord, we thank You that You know each 
one of us better than we know ourselves. God, You know what we need. And I just pray tonight, Father, that You would give us what we need, Father. You would speak to us, You'd encourage us, stir us in our faith in You. And God, I pray for anyone that's here tonight that does not know You. God, even now, be softening their heart, Lord, and and stirring them, God, to respond to You. And Father, we just give You praise for all that You're doing in our church, in our lives. And God, we just give You all the praise and all the glory. And everybody in the ninth throw said, Amen. Amen, Amen. Well, I have two older brothers and all three of us boys have a first and a middle name. And my mum used to do this really cute thing where she would take our middle name and associate it with a cool character or hero. And so Sean is Sean James Kean. He's my oldest brother. And my mum would call him Sean James Bond Kean. And Sean thought that was pretty cool. Um, not now that he's like in his 30s, but when he was eight, he thought that was pretty cool. And he was Sean James Bond. And then my middle name's Luke. And so my mum would say, Jordan Luke Skywalker Kean. And I used to be like, oh yeah. Um, and when I was younger, I thought that my middle brother Nathan had caught the, uh, the raw end of the deal because my mum would say, his middle name's Samuel. My mum would say, Nathan, Samuel the prophet, Kean. <laughs> and me and Sean would be like, hey, we got spies, Jedis, prophet. <laughs> and we thought that was pretty lame. But as, <laughs> as I read my Bible, I discovered that not only was Samuel a prophet, but Nathan was a prophet. And both of them did significant things for God and His kingdom. Now, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, he's a messenger of God. He does some significant things in the Old Testament. But one particular that I wanna look at tonight is he confronts the king at that time, King Saul. He confronts him when Saul disobeys God. When Saul sins and disobeys God's Word, Samuel comes and confronts him with that sin. Interestingly enough, a little bit later, the prophet Nathan does a similar thing, but the prophet Nathan, he confronts King David when David has disobeyed God, when David has sinned. And we have here two kings and two prophets and two very different responses when people are confronted with their sin. Saul is confronted with his sin and quickly goes to uh, trying to explain it. This is what I did and trying to justify it and tried to wiggle his way around why he did what he did. Where David's response was to own it and to acknowledge it and say, I have sinned before God. The Psalm I wanna look at tonight was written by David after Nathan confronts him about the sin that he's doing. Now, I won't unpack the whole story um, now, but in summary, the sin that he was confronting in David's life was that David saw a woman who he lusted after. He saw this woman looking pretty good and because he was the king, he used his power to have that woman come to his chambers and they did, you know. And what gets even worse is that David then sends that woman's husband to the front line of the battlefield so that that it's a high chance he will die so that David can then marry this woman. If you've seen the movie, The Man in the Iron Mask, it's exactly what Leonardo DiCaprio does. So they've taken this idea from the Scripture. So David essentially commits adultery, sins before God, and then he sends a man to the front lines of the battle, essentially 
causing him to be killed. He, he's complicit in the whole thing. And the prophet Nathan confronts him with this sin and David acknowledges it. And the words come out of his mouth, I have sinned against God. He doesn't try and explain it. He doesn't try and justify it. He owns, I have sinned before God. I acknowledge it. And then he writes a Psalm. He writes this piece of writing, which when you read it without the context, it's great. But when you go, this guy has just been hit up. I don't know if you've been hit up with something that you've done. You get caught out. He just gets the all time shred fest hit up by messenger of God. And then he writes this and it's really powerful. You know, I got hit up once in um, middle school. Um, in our library, you could sign out video cameras and it was supposed to be for media class. But this was at the height of, I'm not allowed to say the word, but that, that movie that has Johnny Knoxville in it. It was at the height of the popularity of that. And so we just wanted to do the same thing. So we signed out the, the camera and we filmed ourselves kicking bins over, jumping off the sports shed, throwing apples at walls, all sorts of stuff. We thought it was awesome. Who thinks this sounds awesome? No, just kidding. We filmed it and then we returned the videotape and the camera, not realising that we've just returned the evidence. <laughs> and so the, the principal came to our classroom and said about four or five of our names, come to my office. This is a true story, by the way, 100% true story. So... He sits us down, he goes, boys, is there anything that you wanna own up to? Is there anything that this group needs to confess? And we no, no. <laughs> he said, I'll ask you again, is there anything that you guys have done together that might warrant you being in this room? Oh, no, absolutely not. What, what, what? When were we together? Just, what? Anyway, this is a true story. He then wheels in one of those TVs on wheels. It's a true story. And he said, I'm gonna give you another chance. And so <laughs> one of the boys let him know. And uh, then we all were like angry at that kid. But I say that to say this. <laughs> I say that to say this. All of us at one point in our life have done something that we should not have done. And someone's confronted us with the reality of what we've done. We all have different responses when confronted with the truth of what we've done. And in a church setting, in, the, in terms of the Christian faith, we all have different responses when we're confronted with the truth that we have all sinned. When we're confronted with the truth that all of us are sinners. And, and many people can be upset with the Bible and say, well, the Bible just tells me that I'm this dirty sinner. And it's like, yeah. And the guy that wrote that said that he's the chief of the sinners. Paul writes in the Bible that he is the chief. He's the leader of all the sinners. There's an acknowledgement, I am a sinner. You are a sinner. We have all sinned before God. Christianity is not an inflated view of oneself. It is the right view of oneself that I have fallen short of God's standard, that I have fallen short of the glory of God. What is required to be in a relationship with God? I cannot do it. I need great help. Like the movie Holes with that guy that's just a legend. God sees our sin and says, I can fix that. Anyone like that movie? All right, for the three people that know it, be blessed by that reference. Amen. <laughs> now we have an incredible 
issue as humanity with sin, our inability to meet the standard required to be in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. But God in His grace and in His love is offering a way to help us with that. So we see in Psalm 51 here, this is David after he's been confronted with his sin. And this is what he writes, I love it. Psalm 51 verse one. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I know Pastor Murray will know, do you know that Keith Green song? Create, yep, anyone else? Okay, moving right along. Let me read that again. Verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Verse 11, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Saviour, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. What a powerful Psalm. And you know, it's so interesting to me because David in this passage has such profound revelations about God and about people. He has such insight and understanding. There's big biblical ideas and truths within this passage. And what I find interesting is that even for me, Christians with all of Scripture today might not be able to articulate as well good theology as David has just done there. What I mean by that is this. There are core aspects to the Christian faith, which David talks about right here. The core aspect of a holy God, a just, perfect, righteous judge. Another core aspect of our, of our faith being that human beings are sinful, that we're incapable on our own of being righteous. Another core aspect of our belief is that God has sought to reconcile God and mankind together and that we're saved. Salvation comes through grace. And so here's what David says in that Psalm. David says, God's unfailing love and great compassion. He acknowledges that he has sinned against God and God alone. He acknowledges that he's been sinful from birth. He references God as a Saviour and he talks about how sacrifices he will not bring, but a broken spirit, a broken spirit. The joy of salvation. Who remembers the first time you responded to Jesus Christ? Just a, way, a show of hands, who remembers when you received salvation? It is a significant moment. 
I remember when I first legitimately made a decision on my own to put my faith in Jesus Christ and the supernatural miracle of salvation entered my heart. It was in 2005 in Adelaide at a conference called Shout. This is in the days when every youth conference was called Shout or Jump or Revolution or something like that. So I'm at Shout Conference 2005. I'm 12 years old and I've been raised in a Christian home. And if I'm honest, I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus until this point. I loved going to church. I loved singing the songs. I could tell you all of the disciples' names. And I, I, was, I was up to speed with the things that you do as a Christian, but I didn't have what you're supposed to have as a Christian, which is a personal relationship with Jesus. And I remember being at this conference and the, the messages that were spoken were, were good messages. I only remember one of them. And one of them was the preacher had this big slab of concrete on stage. And he talked about how Jesus in His love had His body broken on the cross so that we could be saved. And he actually smashed the concrete on stage. And the majority of the young people there were just like, whoa, that's so sick. And there was like dust going everywhere. But I was quite emotional because in that moment, God had spoken to my heart. I got a revelation that A, I needed saving, B, that Jesus was the only one that could do it. And C, the part I had to play was acknowledging it and responding. And I knew what was coming and it's the awkward altar call where the pastor's kid goes down the front. But I did go down the front and I'm telling you, the joy of salvation entered my heart. God supernaturally did a miracle. I remember leaving that place and just thinking differently, talking differently, walking differently because God's supernatural power began to be at work in my life and it changed, beginning to change who I was. But more importantly, my sin, the weight of sin, my, the unforgiven sin in my heart and in my spirit was lifted off me and given to God and I was now free. I was only 12, but I just knew it. And I remember coming back to church and I was jumping higher, singing louder, not because that was something I was encouraged to do. I just wanted to. I was pumped for Jesus. I came back and I talked to Pastor Liam, who's now our location pastor in Zambia. And I said, I wanna get up in my cafeteria and I wanna tell the kids they've gotta turn to Jesus. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, that sounds awesome. But hey, let's just like, da, 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 and just added some wisdom to it, which was really good. I was about to get up there and just Bible bash all these grade fives and all that, just get on your knees, you know, it was good would have been wild. So, but I say that to say this is that I was pumped for Jesus. The joy of salvation was in my heart. I was just excited. I was full of faith. There was nothing you could have asked me to do for God that I wouldn't have done. I was just, I just wanted to serve God. I wanted to know God. I had my superhero Bible. I was getting stuck in. I wasn't just reading the superhero pages. I was reading the actual Bible and God was speaking to me. But why was there such a significant change? just a couple of things. I was dead in my sin and I was made alive in Christ. I was a slave to sin and now I was free in God. I was broken, separated from the love of God and in, in all honesty, heading for hell. But then in that moment, I was healed, whole and walking with God, destined for eternity in heaven. In that moment, I was saved from something and I was saved to something. I was saved from my sin and I was saved to the family of God and to a great purpose to serve Him until I spend eternity with Him. For some tonight, you need God supernaturally to restore the joy of your salvation. Because as I'm describing that feeling, you're thinking, flip, I do remember that 17 years ago. 
But now I'm just like in neutral. I'm in neutral. I wanna encourage you, God can bring the joy of salvation back to you. Where it feels like, you know when you get that, that brand new pair of shoes and you don't wanna wear them anywhere. And you, when, you, when you take them off at home, you actually take them off with your hands. You don't just like kick them off and lob them and you put them perhaps even back into the box. But then, you know, over time, you start to get less careful, less precious, and it's just open the door, fling them, smashes a vase, a cat runs off, like whatever. I'm speaking about me, not you, my love, so don't worry. I remember buying my first brand new symbol. I spent like $400 on this symbol and I didn't want anybody to touch it. I didn't want anyone to hit it, nothing. Six months later, I'm like lending it to people. They're just smashing it to bits. I've got it at home, I'm smashing bits. I'm like, I wonder if we put it underwater, would it change the sound? I say to say this, when you get something new, you treat it a lot better. Sometimes the longer we walk with God, we begin to forget what salvation achieved in our life and we treat it with, not with the respect and the honour that it needs. Part of it is because we've forgotten our sin. And it's not that it's not just there, it's like, um, as I'm like saying, we need to go back to Specsavers. Because there are daily reminders of our sin. When we forget what we've been saved from, we're less excited and thankful. We can forget what God has saved us from. For, for those of you here tonight, maybe you've never been a Christian, maybe you've never walked with God. God is offering to you the joy of salvation. Going from being lost to being found in God. Going from being separated from God to being in a relationship with God. Sometimes I think that we would all benefit from having a mentor who is four years old. And here's why I, here's why I think that. If you have a mentor who's four years old, you'll sit down and say, okay, here's my seven year plan. I, uh, I'm really endeavouring to do this. I have prospects to do this. And they go, why? You say, well, uh, you know, I think it's just really gonna help me in my career and help my family. Why? Well, because I love my family and uh, I really wanna serve them. I wanna serve God. Why? Well, because I love God. If you don't know, four-year-olds say why to everything. Yeah. We sometimes need a four-year-old mentor because we, we do things in life and we need the four-year-old mentor to be like, why? Because sometimes we're just phoning it in. Coming to church tonight in the praise and worship, I lifted my hands up. I needed the four-year-old mentor. Why? Then you go, that's a good question. Because in that process, I go, because God is worthy of everything. He's worthy of my focus right now. I wanna look to Him. I was talking to someone in the week about the idea of having a car park team at church. And again, this is why we need a four-year-old mentor wherever we go. Hey, I'm serving on car park tonight. Why? That's a good question. I wanna... I wanna make people feel warm and welcome as they enter church. There you go, boom. Now you've got some purpose behind it. So we need to ask that as well with salvation. Why salvation? You are saved by Jesus if you have received Him, if you put your faith in Him. But you need to ask the question, why? Why am I saved? Why have I been saved? And I've got three things. Number one, we're all sinners. You are saved because you're a sinner. You need salvation because you're a sinner. Number two is God loves us. We have salvation because God has made it available in His love. And number three, because God has a plan for our lives. Why salvation? Because we're all sinners, God loves all of us and He has a plan for our lives. I'll tell you why I'm here tonight. I'm in church tonight because I'm a sinner. God loves me and God has a plan for my life. 
Being in God's house helps me walk out the purpose that He has for my life. I learned that from my four-year-old mentor. But we need to be saved. Why do you need to be saved? It's because you're a sinner and God greatly loves you and God has a plan for your life. Salvation is the why behind the cross. Salvation is the why behind the church. The reason we do everything as a church is because we're believing for salvation. We want people to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and spend eternity with Him. That's the reason why we put chairs out. That's the reason why we have a youth ministry. Salvation is the why behind the church. I love this quote. It's that evangelism. So sharing the message of Jesus is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. We're not coming from this high and mighty place of you're a sinner, you need a change. It's actually, we're all sinners. Let me tell you where I found the solution to the emptiness in my soul. Let me tell you where I found the solution to an eternity away from God. I found it in Jesus Christ. Now I say all that to say this is that in life and especially in faith, whatever belief system you have, a what without a why is dangerous. Especially in Christianity, if you're living out a whole bunch of what's but don't have a why in your heart and your spirit and in your mind, it's very dangerous. It's very easy for us to be picked off when that happens. You know, I'm not stoked about doing 2000 squats at one o'clock in the morning. I'm not too stoked about this. However, I'm happy to do it if I'm resettling my baby. (laughs) So the what is difficult and a bit strange and it doesn't suit me at all. However, the why behind me doing 2000 squats at one in the morning is because I'm resettling my son. In your life, in your faith, You're gonna get frustrated if you're doing a bunch of what's without getting a why in your heart and your mind and your spirit. The why for your life, your faith, for church is your salvation. Now, your service to others, why do I come? Why am I on a roster? Why did I come tonight? It is others' salvation. You'll be like me. If if you go home tonight and set an alarm for for 1am and just get up and do 2,000 squats, you'll come on Sunday and slap me. Like Jordan, that sucked. Because it's an action without a purpose. Christianity without a purpose is incredibly frustrating and you'll wanna slap the pastor. But you've gotta get the purpose from God, that the purpose is people, that the purpose is salvation coming to our community. So how do you treat your salvation? How do you treat your salvation? God has been so, so good to us. We've gotta not forget that even though God is changing us and transforming us, we could easily go back. God's salvation is a reminder to us of His goodness and His grace for yesterday, today and tomorrow. David says in that Psalm that his sin is ahead of him. And then he talks about how it was with him in the womb. I'm thinking, sugar, it's everywhere. And that's right. That is right. That's why we need God's grace and the joy of salvation yesterday, today and tomorrow. Amen. I had a joke written down, but it's not good. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's not good. Many, <laughs> many people tonight, 
Many people tonight, God wants to restore the joy of salvation to you, where you wear it like the day you got it, where you're protecting it, where you're walking around with it with some purpose. I have been saved because I'm a sinner. God loves me and He's got a plan for my life. And for the rest of us tonight, Maybe you're here and you've never experienced the joy of salvation. Don't leave tonight not experiencing it. God in His grace and His love is extending towards you a supernatural miracle of salvation, freedom from sin, transformation from the inside out, assurance of eternity in heaven. And it's simply by putting your faith in Jesus. David even back then had a revelation. It was the gift of God. God could forgive him alone. Now, salvation is beautiful, but it can only come at the acknowledgement that you need saving. If the band would just like to join me as I start to wrap up. We are absolutely all in need of saving. And the reality is, is we all need saving because we all have the same problem. We are not like God, we are created. We have a beginning, we have an end. We are imperfect and God is not. We have sin with us. Now, we didn't do anything to get it, but we, we're certainly about to. <laughs> we were born with it and it's in our blood. But the good news is, is that the truth of God's Word reveals that He is a loving God who we don't need to reach out to because He has already reached out to us. It's a responding to God's reaching. God's solution to sin and brokenness and death does not require perfect obedience. It requires faith. It requires belief in Jesus, that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to absolve me, to free me from the power of sin. Jesus was perfect for me and lived the perfect life that I could not. And though our sin is great, everybody, God's love and power is greater. And will you tonight believe in and receive the healing touch of Jesus Christ? Just as I close, the good news about, about the Gospel, the message of Jesus is that it is the great leveller. I love this, I love this idea, the great leveller, the great equaliser, because young, old, rich, poor, everybody needs saving. The powerful politician needs salvation. Those in poverty need salvation. The barrister needs salvation. The barista needs salvation. Australia needs salvation. Africa needs salvation. Your family needs salvation. Your colleagues need salvation. This city needs salvation. And it's only found in Jesus Christ. And it's only found when we acknowledge, I actually need saving. There's so many good superhero movies where someone busts through the door. And I was thinking specifically about Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire. And there's that great scene where he goes into that building on fire and he's there to rescue somebody. Many of us are in a building on fire. In fact, we're on fire. And the Gospel comes to us. The message of Jesus comes to us. Do you need saving? And many of us are like, I'm good. Whilst we're on fire. We are wrestling with the effects of our sin and we don't even know it. We're walking through life with our head on fire, ash coming off us, smoke trail behind us. 
God in His love has you here tonight to extend that free gift to you. Don't be caught on fire not responding. God in His grace and love has you here tonight to extend His salvation to you so that you can leave tonight with, hey, the joy of salvation in your heart and in your spirit. You can go every day of your life knowing that no matter what comes, no matter what's ahead, you're saved by the grace of God, that you'll spend eternity in heaven with Him and that every day you will walk with God who who sticks closer than a brother. He is that friend like no other and He loves us so much. The joy of salvation is that one sin cannot stop us being in a relationship with God if we would give it to Him. Can I encourage you tonight, if you're not walking with God, if you don't have the joy of salvation, give your sin to God tonight and receive that supernatural miracle. He loves you. He wants to do something powerful in your life. Why don't we stand together? We're just gonna worship for a moment, then we're gonna pray. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.